we have been building to where we are now. Uh, in, the, in the fall, we began with a sermon series called Level Up, and that was about equipping you and empowering you and to teach you um, faith practices in order to grow deeper and, and bigger, really, to level up your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about ready, set, go. And just like a race, we've been preparing to go into what we believe God is leading us by the power of the Holy Spirit as a congregation uh, into the next year, into what we, we discern God is, is guiding us to. Now, if you've been paying attention over the last year, there's been something we've been building to called Feed My Starving Children. That's why we are beginning this three, um, actually three sermon series within the book of Acts. This is the first one called Acts in Jerusalem. I just want to point this out because uh, you're going to see this this graphic a lot. Uh, Look closely at it and maybe you'll get some clues as to what we're talking about. Uh, Maybe some of you know your state maps really well or maybe you know what county we're in. Look closely at this when you get a chance. It'll give you more of a sense of, of what this is all about. The reason we're going to be in the book of Acts through Christmas, even through Easter, is because you, Atonement Church, have more in common in 2023 with the first century church than you do with Atonement Lutheran Church in 1999. Who was here in 1999? Okay? I'm going to say it again. You have more in common with the first century church in 2023 than you do with Atonement Lutheran Church. Same building, same space in 1999. That's because the culture has shifted so much since the 20th century in the first couple decades of the 21st century, that the things that we used to take for granted, such as that everyone's a Christian or that we live in a Christian nation or community, is no longer the case. More and more of your neighbors do not know the name of Jesus. They think um, Christmas is about presents and Easter is about a bunny. Because they don't know who Jesus is. Um, And so, where we are going in the next six months is not uh, uh, something that we're entering into lightly. The reason for it, and we're moving away from topical preaching, like talking about Level Up, to the narrative, to the story. Because Acts is your story. It's about you. And so we're going to live in the narrative and learn and discover what it means to be Christians in the 21st century. Because the way we did it in the 20th century no longer is a justifiable or, or good strategy to expand God's kingdom. We need to go back to the source. Um, something about Acts that, um, that I want to lift up to you is that we are going to hear 
on that shirt, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the key verse that you could meditate on that every day for the next six months. And you're going to get more stuff out of it. The key phrase that Jesus uses is, my witnesses. And even more so, why we're going into the, Acts of the, uh, into the book of Acts is not because it's about apostles. That's, that's a misnomer. Um, that's how the church has spoken of the book, that it's, the long t- title is the Acts of the Apostles. That's not accurate. A better way to understand the book is that the book is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not just about the 12 apostles. They just serve as examples. It's about what God is doing then and what he's doing now in our midst today. This is not an old story. This is a contemporary reality that all of us are living in. And so it's your story. Acts is is often called the first volume of the church. Well, that's true. 2,000 years ago, it was the beginning of the church. That story, though, the mission that Jesus gives us to be his witnesses stands today, and every one of you is commissioned to it. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a missionary. You just need to know who Jesus is, and you are commissioned. You are committed um, by Jesus because he promises to be with you every day. So let's get into it. The word act is an interesting one. I have a daughter who loves to act. She's big into theater. She doesn't care if it's a big part or a small part. She just wants to be a part of it. And so she does a lot of this stuff. But I've never really sat down and read, what does the word act actually mean? Well, it means to take action, um, to do, do something. I like this, tra- this uh, meaning. It means to behave in the way specified. So if you're going to act like a Christian... It doesn't mean that we sit on our laurels. There's stuff for us to do. Jesus is on the move in the book of Acts. And he's on the move today. Post-resurrection, Jesus is loose. He's coming for non-believers. He's coming for sinners. And he runs a lot faster than you and I do. And that's good news. Because there really is only one thing that matters in this life. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? It is an eternal life or death consequence. And that's why it's the only relationship that really matters. You have that relationship. And so you are called to act as if it is true. It's kind of a funny way to put that. But also to act on that relationship by being a witness. Um, What is a witness? A witness is a couple of things. First of all, witness means evidence or proof. In other words, you are Jesus' proof for what he has done and what he is doing. You are his proof. You are his evidence. It also means a witness is someone that gives or serves as evidence. What you do points to Jesus. Whether good or bad, it points to him. You give a testimony, you testify to. In the court of law, if you have one witness of the event of, an, of a crime, that is, is um, uh, evidence that can lead to a conviction. If you have two witnesses, it's a slam dunk. And this is biblical as well. In the law of the Old Testament, you needed two or three witnesses to convict. Because it was... Um, 
uh, concrete evidence, proof of, of what was being witnessed. This is who Jesus calls us to be. See, the, the good news is this. God wants us to love him and to love other people. And the good news of the gospel is that you are loved. You are loved so much that God gives his only son who dies in our place for our sake, on our behalf, taking upon himself all of our sins so that we would be given this new eternal relationship with God. Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, and his kingdom has no end because he is risen. And so you are invited into that relationship. That is the gospel. It's been the gospel for 2,000 years and it continues to be the gospel today. So what is it that we are witnessing to? What message do we have to give? Acts chapter 1 begins with these words from Luke. Luke is writing a testimony, a witness of who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is. He writes, in the first book, O Theophilus, he's talking about the gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. This is the gospel of Luke he's talking about. Well, what's interesting is this phrase, O Theophilus. Now, we don't know. Theophilus may have been a person. He may have been a person in Caesar's court in Rome because Luke was writing Acts as a testimony, as a witness for the sake of Paul's defense because he was on trial. Uh, But also, Theophilus could mean a title for any believer who reads this because Theophilus means friend of God. That's literally what the name means. So in the first book, O friends of God, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the Gospel of Luke. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He's sharing the events of what it means for Jesus to be risen from the dead. That Jesus is risen, he's taken up into heaven. This is Jesus' exaltation. It's why last week we could say, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech o, uh, Ha'olam. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. With Jesus being taken up, what Luke is witnessing to is that Jesus is exalted as the Lord. If any of you say, Jesus is Lord, say, Jesus is Lord. Lord. Do you believe that? Say, amen. Amen. If you believe that, that's the work of the Holy Spirit because Christ has been taken up and you are witness to this. It's what we confess whenever we baptize someone, that Jesus Christ died, he's risen on the third day, he's risen from the dead, he ascended into heaven, that's the taken up, he will come again to judge the living and the dead, that there will be a time when he returns. All of that is summed up here. And if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's proof of the Holy Spirit. If you ever wonder, do I have the Holy Spirit? Well, do you believe in Jesus? If the answer is yes, then on an amp, for example, that's like level one. And you can crank up that amp. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. But that's what we're saying, that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what we are witness to in this world that has all kinds of kings, all kinds of lords, all kinds of worldviews that would deny the reality of Jesus and deny the reality of your salvation and deny the even existence of God. Why? Because the world is, is under the subjugation of sin, death, and the devil. 
And so there's all kinds of voices outside of this little window on Sunday when you hear the gospel preached, or if you read your Bible, or if you spend your time with Christians, where you're hearing and being inundated 24-7 with all kinds of messages saying, look anywhere but to Jesus. Look to any source but to Jesus for your security, for your meaning, for your life, for your purpose. This time when we come together is a time to rest in God's presence and be filled with the gospel so that you know what the truth is and are able to bear it Monday through Saturday. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. I want to share this word for you because it only shows up here. Many proofs. The world will say, if Jesus is real, if God is real, why doesn't he just show up? The problem is, God has shown up many times in history, and we still don't believe it. The proof for Jesus is an overwhelming amount of proof. The word is tekmerion. It only shows up here. Tekmerion is a Greek word that means to plainly know something. Like, it's such a fact that you don't even have to think about it. Is the sky blue? Yeah. How do you know? Look up. Right? It's unquestionable. It's compelling evidence. This is the court of law language. Now, I'm going to give you some compelling evidence that's going to sound strange to you, but I want you to know there is more tekmerion for Jesus' death and resurrection than that I even exist, and I am standing right in front of you. Just think about that for a minute. You can see me with your own eyes. You can say, well, there's tekmerion. You're there. There is more evidence that Jesus lived, suffered, died, and was risen than me. And I'm standing right here. Because of the amount of witnesses that proclaim it, and because of the evidence going back throughout history that we say, according to science, is credible evidence. The cross itself has more evidence for it than many things that we take for granted in this life. Uh, from I count witnesses, from the evidence in the scriptures and in the historical accounts itself that we can look at and look at scientifically and say, it only makes sense that Jesus is risen. Because there's really only three conclusions for the cross. Either Jesus was a liar and therefore evil, he was crazy and therefore deluded and not worth trusting. Or three, that the evidence revealed in the scriptures and in the historical documents and in the letters that sat at the feet of the children of the apostles is true. It's kind of like this. This is Tecmerion. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code ray? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! That's Tech Marion. Have you ever seen um, this movie? He ends up confessing to the crime on, on, the, on the court. That never happens. That's Tech Marion. It's witness of what you see and know. The biggest piece of evidence for me for the cross, the, the proofs of Jesus, is that uh, the life and, and the circumstances that there is a church in the world today that we are all a part of, that we're part of the church, that it still exists. Because 
Every fledgling group whose leader died, in most cases throughout history, dies out within the first year, if not the first decade. 99.99% of the cases. Christianity, here the leader dies, and then the church, the followers of that leader, generation in and generation out, suffer outright persecution for 350 years. In history, it is the most peaceful revolution within a a nation uh, throughout history, the spread of Christianity. And it makes no logical sense if it's not true. Because all of the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, all except for John that we know of, uh, uh, were killed for their belief. Why would you purposely suffer in poverty, no less? It's not like they were becoming rich preaching the gospel. Suffer, be tortured, and killed for something that you know is not true. That does not make logical, psychological, or sociological sense. Just the fact that we are here today, that you are witnesses to Jesus is proof of the truth of the claim of the gospel. Because it doesn't make sense otherwise. There's no reason, unless it was true, that people would would die for what they believe. That is many proofs. Luke is going to name actual evidence of of Jesus' sightings because he showed himself to multiple people. And Uh, Those people would have been around during that first century, during the writing of Acts and during the writing of the gospel, and could refute the claim if Jesus wasn't risen. They could have been asked and they could have said, no, it's not true, we made the whole thing up. But none of them did. That's not part of the historic record. People say that today, but that's not in the historic record. The evidence instead is overwhelming throughout historical analysis and writings that the resurrection is an historic event that's never been repeated. And for us as Christians, it changes everything because we're called to be witnesses to it. What has Jesus done in your life? That is your witness. It's not saying you got to go and be a missionary some way unless God's put that on your heart. It doesn't mean you have to become a pastor. It means you're called right where you are in the circumstances that you are to be a witness for Jesus. You are his proof. You are his evidence of what he's doing. And make no mistake, what happens in Acts is still happening today. God is still healing. God is still transforming lives. God is still bringing people and liberating them out of suffering and bondage. And it's through your witness that he's doing this. That's why it's so important. What you do in pointing to Jesus, in inviting people to come to church, we're going to be repeating this over and over again. You have the power to invite to church. Who is God putting on your heart to say, I'm going to invite that person to church today? What's the worst they can say to you? I don't want to. Do you realize that in the world, I just read the ICC report on this, they do a yearly study of persecution for those, uh, uh, for faith throughout the world. There is more persecution, outright persecution, like people being killed for the name of Jesus on their lips in the world today than has been for, for generations. The 20th century was one of the worst centuries in history for persecution of Christians, and it's becoming just as bad in the 21st century. Whether you look at places like China 
or Iran or North Korea, places like Ethiopia, the Congo, India. Christians are being outright persecuted for saying that they believe in Jesus. And it's outlawed for them to be a witness to Jesus to anyone around them. They can be killed for such things. Places like Azerbaijan, places like Nigeria, places like like Eritrea. These are places where being a Christian is a life or death circumstance. I don't think any of us is worried that the government, that soldiers or the police are going to show up here and arrest us for believing in Jesus Christ, for coming and worshiping his name. And yet, why are we so quick to not invite, to not encourage others to know Jesus? Other people around the world are dying because they follow Jesus. What's the worst that can happen to us? People might laugh at us, make us feel less than, make us feel silly. And yet, knowing Jesus is the difference between eternal life and eternal death. It is the most important, consequential relationship anyone will ever have. I have friends that weren't Christians growing up. And you might think, well, what's my story? I've been a Christian my entire life. Do you know how special that is? Most people that are Christians were raised in the faith. I have friends that didn't know Jesus till later in life that the answer is always the same. I wish I would have known Jesus sooner. I wish someone would have told me about Jesus sooner. You have the most amazing story if you were raised in the church because your witness to Jesus is I've known him even before I knew how to count. God has been in my life. God chose me. And he's chosen you to be a light, to be a witness to his grace. We are witnesses to the kingdom of God. Because through faith in Jesus Christ, we are already members of that kingdom. And this is the most tantamount citizenship you can have because it goes on forever. Because Jesus is risen, he is vindicated as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He began his ministry by saying, repent and believe in the good news. For the kingdom of heaven is here. It's near. It's where Jesus is. And it's where you receive new life and power now in this place through faith in the life to come. When Jesus comes again, you will know it by sight. For the kingdom of God will not be um, uh, just spiritual. It will be physically, physical as well. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. A big part of being a witness for Jesus is learning to wait. Martin Luther said it's learning to hear the creature waiting. It's learning to hear your friends say, what you have, this love for neighbor, this love for God, the love that you feel, the love that you express, I want that. How do I get that? That's when you share. That's when you, exp- you, you, you invite, you bring people into the life of Jesus. And it reminds me of a verse in the Psalms. Psalm 27, 14 is one of my favorite verses. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Understand that if God is not acting in atonement in this place, Why would we be here? What should we be doing? If God is not acting, why should we even care? We shouldn't. Don't you want to be a part of a place where you feel that God is acting? That God is in on the move? God has been doing something at atonement. Mark and I were were talking about, and Pastor Becky were talking about this. It goes back 10 years. If you look at the history of what's been happening in this church to bring us to where we are now. And over the last year, we've been moving in a direction 
where God is going to do something in multiple levels, in multiple ways, in January, just a month away with Feed My Starving Children. Ten million meals being packed. This is part of the story of atonement. And it may very well be, if not the biggest volunteer event in the history of North Dakota, or the history of the United States. More people volunteering to share the gospel and be a witness to Jesus by packing 10 million meals for kids and investing in that. This is what we've been building to and we're going to watch God do amazing things and work through us and in the midst of that to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Which he said, you heard from me, from, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from near now. As I said before, how can you know that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, most likely when you were baptized, you were baptized with water. But your baptism was not like John's baptism because you had the word of God connected with the water that said you are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that you are marked with the cross of Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit now and forever. So you were commissioned on the day you were baptized to be a witness to Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord, that is your inner proof that you have the Holy Spirit because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. But as I said, if you want to experience God's love daily, believing in Jesus is, is, is one on an amp. You want to crank it up to 10 or 11 like Spinal Tap. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. It's something you can do every day. Pray to God to say, God, who are you putting in my life? Who are you putting on my heart to invite to church, to experience the gospel, to be in relationship to you? Who do you want me to point to you? Pray that every day. Ask every day. Ask the people in your life every day that God's putting on your heart to say, come and experience the joy that I have. God is doing something. God is on the move. Something exciting is happening. The Holy Spirit is acting in our midst. That is the baptism that you have because you were baptized in a resurrected Jesus, not in the baptism of John. John's was a baptism of repentance, calling to repentance. Jesus was the answer to John's baptism and it was the day of salvation. Now we live in a new time, a Holy Spirit time, an unexpected time when the end has not come yet, where we are called to share the gospel and be witnesses to Jesus Christ. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're expecting everything to change immediately. But what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father fixed by his authority. Stop speculating about God's plans and live in hope of the resurrection that's begun now. This is this new Holy Spirit time. This time when we be witnesses and through our witness, God is turning sinners into saints through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now we we know by faith what in the life to come we will know by sight. When Jesus comes again, all will be revealed. But until then, we live by faith in Jesus Christ as the new creation hid in him. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This word power is a great word. It's the word dunamis, which we translate as dynamic or dynamite. And I want to share with you what this looks like. This is a, a video that shows what dynamite can do.
Pretty cool, huh? That's the Brenninger Quarry in Norway. There's over 4,000 tons of dynamite that's, that's uh, blasting that quarry. It's going through sheer granite, and it's changing the landscape that's laid out in that part of the country. This is what the Holy Spirit does for you. This is why it's the key verse. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Power to change lives. Power to change the landscape. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not in a way that the world understands it, but dynamite is what God gives you. Not to blow things up, but to change the landscape. To change realities. To change lives. To save lives through the gospel. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in three places. In Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Where is your Jerusalem? This is your personal life, and this is our first sermon series. Think of it this way. You will be my witnesses in Fargo-Moorhead, in North Dakota and Minnesota, and to the ends of the earth. At Feed My Starving Children, you will have a personal experience of the Holy Spirit, you will have a communal experience of the Holy Spirit, and you will have a world-changing experience of the Holy Spirit. God is moving us and acting and on the move in such a way that's going to lead us to the event of FMSC and it's going to expand outward from there because this is the time that we have been called to be witness for Jesus in the places that he's placed at. We've been getting ready, we've been waiting, now it's time. And so in in the book of Acts, we are going to discover our story so that we can live it out. The word witness, again, means evidence, proof. You are the evidence of Jesus. You are the proof of Jesus. You are the testimony of Jesus. He is who we testify to. And when they had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. In the Old Testament, when God shows up, it's in a pillar. It's in a pillar of cloud. It's the power of God. He's exalted. That's who Jesus is. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so, you are called to be my witnesses in Fargo-Moorhead, in North Dakota and Minnesota, and to the ends of the earth. So hear your commissioning promise. It's the word for you to live in. Jesus Christ died for your sake. All of your sins are forgiven in his name. You are his witnesses. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray that you would... Um, Fill us with your Holy Spirit this day and that you would put on our hearts and in our minds uh, the mission that you have called us individually to in our everyday lives. Who are you calling us to invite into faith with you? Who are you calling us to be a witness to of your grace? Give us this knowledge, Lord, and give us the purpose to do and carry out your will. All this we ask in Jesus' name, amen.